regardless of, of just your background, your belief system, you guys, uh, I want to encourage you to to wrestle through what I say and, and never just take it for granted or never just agree, but to actually wrestle through what I'm reading and, uh, and unpack it, okay? Because it's important that you come to uh, the conclusion yourself and uh, it, it's your faith. It's nobody else's, okay? Um, in the Old Testament, you know, and last week, uh, Seth actually taught and, uh, and Seth talked about this character named Lot. And, and Seth did not shield any of the craziness from you last week. Uh, he read to you things that you, some of you maybe have never heard, uh, and, and just craziness. And sometimes it can be uh, something that causes us to go, I don't even want to see the Old Testament because it's nuts. I don't even want to go there. I can't understand it, comprehend it. Um, but there's a lot in the Old Testament and ultimately what we see the Old Testament do is point everybody to their need for a savior. Okay, it's a story of, of God's people continually making uh, mistakes and God continually sending people to help uh, point them back to him. You know, when I read the Old Testament, you guys, honestly, uh, I'm, I'm consumed with the reality that God never gives up. And, and that's why I love the Old Testament. You know, and and because you see the character of God in different in a different light, and so uh, tonight, as we as we look at the Old Testament, I'm going to be looking at in First Kings chapter 19. We're going to look at this prophet named Elijah. Now, if you have a church background, you've probably heard of Elijah, right? If if you grew up, your parents brought you to church, maybe um, Elijah was a popular Sunday school. If you did Sunday school, it was popular lesson. Uh, if there was a series, there's probably at some point your pastor preached on Elijah. If you've never grown up in church, you've probably still heard of Elijah. You probably have. It's kind of a popular name too. I know other people that that's just their name. Um, but he was a prophet. Now, what what was a prophet, right? What is a prophet? Uh, a prophet uh, was uh, essentially, in particular in the Old Testament, was the mouthpiece for God to the people. Okay, so in other words, you know, they didn't have like what you guys have, where if you're a Jesus follower and you're like, okay, God, I need some direction and that, you can pray, but then what what, what should you be doing? Reading God's word, right? So you've got God's word. You have that with you, which is awesome. Like no other time in history, you have it available all the time. And even when you don't have a physical book, you have what's called a cell phone. So you always have it. And you can just swipe along and, and, and there you go, right? So we have access to something that when we talk about the Old Testament, they didn't have access to that. So what did they do, right? When they're like seeking God's will, when, when God is uh, trying to tell them, hey, don't do that. Stop doing that. Turn from that. What, how did he communicate that? Well, he used prophets. And these prophets, uh, God would speak to them. And then they would, uh, most of the time, connect with the king uh, of the people because the king was the leader of the people. And as we looked at, you know, last week and, and as you, we've looked throughout this series, we've seen a lot of kings that were jacked up. And they wouldn't listen to prophets, Okay, David was one of them that struggled with that, right? And he actually repented. The prophet uh, Nathan was his good buddy, and he ends up repenting to uh, Nathan, his friend. But these prophets were the ones that communicated God's truth uh, to the people, and Elijah is no different. Now, when Elijah is on the scene here in 1 Kings, what we see is one of the most wicked kings and queens ever uh, in the nation's history. 
Uh, the king's name was Ahab, and his wife's name was That was just a test. I wanted to see how much of a Christian crowd we had here. Jezebel. Yes, that's good. Although I think that was Jocelyn. Was that Jocelyn? That didn't count. Okay. It doesn't count. Jocelyn counts, but the answer doesn't count. I love Jocelyn. (laughs) Jocelyn's like, I'm out. But uh, no, Uh, his wife's name is Jezebel, right? And, And so you've always wondered, why is that not like a name you aspire to have? Well, she was awful. She was horrible, okay? And, and so this king and queen, uh, and she ran the house. Like, she ran the castle, okay? Like, like he, he may have had the title of king, but Jezebel was king, if you know what I mean, right? Uh, well, no, you don't. You're not married, okay? I know, because I go home, and I know who the king of the castle is. It ain't me, Okay? And I'm fine with that, all right? But anyway, Jezebel is, is running uh, the show, okay? And as she's running the show, and, and as Ahab is like, yep, yep, honey, yep, they um, are promoting uh, the worship of this god, Baal, who's an idol, okay? And Asherah. So there's, there's, there's these other gods, and they have all these prophets for these gods, Okay, uh, there was uh, around 850 prophets that they had all over that were false prophets uh, for these gods. And so God, the true God, is not happy with this. Okay, these are his people. These are his chosen people that have been, they've been raised, they've grown up, they've heard his stories uh, of what he's done, his redemption, all these things. And they've turned on him and they're worshiping these idols. And so Elijah, God's mouthpiece, says there's going to be a drought. Okay, no rain. So guess what? There's a drought. There's no rain. Um, During this time, Elijah starts to build up this reputation. Okay, not only is he the prophet that in their eyes uh, caused this drought, so they hate him, they want him dead, but he's developing this other reputation that he's got power uh, that they haven't seen before. Okay, during this time, he visits a widow uh, whose son dies and Elijah raises him back up to life, which is incredible. So he's, 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 he's a part of incredible power that, that we see um, Unexplainably, like, like it's, it's amazing. But we also see um, probably the most famous story is when uh, Elijah shows up and he challenges all these prophets to a challenge. Okay? And, and, and here's the challenge. I'm going to build an altar to my God and you guys build an altar to your God. And we're gonna and we're gonna pray for fire, and whoever's God uh, lights this up is the true God. And 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 so the the challengers, the Baal worshippers, go, okay, that's totally fair. We're gonna kill you. And and so they agree to this. Now Elijah uh, invites everybody. Like everybody has all, everybody uh, come to this event. Everybody's talking about it. You know, they didn't have a lot going on. So uh, they're all sharing it, you know, on their social media platforms. And they all arrive for this incredible, this showdown, right? Whose God are we going to worship? And, and, and it's agreed upon. Whoever wins, that's who we're going to worship. 
Okay, and and so these guys, the the Baal worshiping prophets, uh, they get their thing all built. They have their meat, their cow, whatever, butchered all perfectly, however they want it, and and then they start praying and chanting and calling down fire from heaven, and it's not happening. It's not happening. It's not happening. They keep going. They keep going, and so Elijah starts to mock them. Hey, where's your God at? Is he gone? Is he on vacation? Is he taking a break? And I mean, they are so desperate, they start cutting all, like, I mean, they're getting crazy. And so then it's like, are you done? Okay. So then Elijah has, his, has them just soak the altar that he has to the point where literally there's puddles around it. And, and then he cries out to God. Boom, fire. Okay. Now, everybody knows who the true God is. And Elijah says, great, capture all of them. And then they slaughtered all the false prophets. Okay, now that's Old Testament. They slaughtered the Old Testament, these prophets. And it's, it's, it's right after this that he then says, there's going to be an end to the drought. And he tells the king, you need to go back to the city because there's going to be rain so much that your chariot's not going to be able to get through this. And then he actually runs in front of the king's chariot about 20 miles and beats the chariot. You guys aren't impressed at all. I, I, I totally would have done that. Like, I'm, I'm so cool. Yeah. No, you shut up. You guys don't run like that. You're like, oh, I could go out there. I could totally do that. That's almost a marathon. How many of you have ran a marathon? Nope. Nope. Not half. Not half. Did I say half? Nope. A full. How many of you ran a full? That's what I thought. None of you. None of you have ran a, none of you have ran a full? What are you guys doing? Come on. Some of you tonight, before you leave, during the response time, no, don't, don't run a marathon, man. Don't, I'm not having that guilt on me because you'll die. Like there's a reason there's ambulances and all that. It's not funny. It's not for cuteness. It's not like, no, people die. Okay. Um, and I know that because I ran one and I thought my time had come. So, so it's, it's, it's a legit thing. All right. So Elijah, but Elijah, it's not like, I mean, prophets weren't out training in the morning, you know, whatever, like some of you at the wreck, you know, doing your thing. No, like, like it was a supernatural run, right? And he's beating this chariot, right? If you've never had any experience of Christianity tonight, you're just like, what the heck? Okay. But anyway, this prophet outruns this chariot and then all of a sudden in 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 1 through 4. Now I want you to imagine Ahab, right, who is the king, tells his wife, the king, and tells her what happened, okay, to her prophets. And, and, and says, well, Elijah did this and, and this is what happened, okay. And so this is her response in 1 Kings chapter 19. It says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life 
ran again after a marathon, ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die saying, is it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my father's. Okay, so so this is Elijah, right? This is Elijah. Raised someone from the dead, just did one of the most epic, famous, uh, performed this miracle that everybody would, was talking about, changed the course of worship in the, in the nation in that moment. This, this, this incredible guy, he's just ran at a pace that we can't comprehend. All of these things, and in one moment, he's fleeing for his life. And, and the distance that he ran, you guys, just to keep with this whole marathon thing, it was 100 miles. So he did a marathon one day and an ultra the next. I'm not even going to ask who's done an ultra because you guys need to step up. And no one's done an ultra. And so you guys are in the 5K, okay? But I'm talking like an ultra. So he does an ultra then after this and he goes out into, if you do a 5K, you never done, good job. I'm, I'm not mocking you, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. Like, I'll never go to that church again. He, uh, he, go, <laughs> he goes out to the wilderness, you guys. And what is going on there? What is Elijah doing in the wilderness? He is hiding. Guys, he's hiding. He's hiding in fear. Fear caused him to flee. The same guy who had just done all these seeing, these things, seeing the hand of God work in ways you and I only can dream or imagine. And, and here he is, and he's sitting there in the desert. He's all alone. He leaves a servant behind. He's there under this tree, and he's literally, he's not moving, right? Because fear, what fear does, you guys, is it paralyzes you. So he's, he's sitting there, he's not doing anything, uh, and, and what you need to know right now, you guys, when we talk about fear, because that's what we're talking about tonight, you guys, fear can stop you from moving forward in your life and what you're called to do, and it will cause you to doubt things you've never doubted before. It will bring doubts to your mind, things that you know aren't true. But, but because you're caught in this fear and you're paralyzed and you're stuck and you're so fixated and focused on this fear, whatever that may be, uh, that all of a sudden you're doubting things you've never doubted before about other people, about, about uh, events, about uh, maybe a relationship, about yourself and your identity. And all of a sudden you're caught up in these thoughts that have never been there before because simply you are in fear. Guys, fear will lie to you. But here's the, here's the beauty of all this. You have a choice whether you're going to believe the lies. I, I mean, at the end of the day, I, we, we've probably all been lied to. And, and at different points in times, maybe you saw it as a lie immediately. And you're like, I'm not believing that. I know you're lying, but there's probably other times in all of our lives uh, where you've actually been tricked. Someone lied to you and you had no idea you were lied to, right? And at the end of that, you experience two emotions, right? You're mad at them, okay? Especially if they're really close to you, you're mad at them. But then second, what are you? You're mad at yourself, right? 
Like, why didn't I see that? Why didn't I pick up on that sign? I knew there was something off here. Uh, it didn't sound believable. Uh, man, I was so confused at that time that I just bought into this. And, 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 and so a lot of times when we're in this state uh, as well, we find ourselves believing lies that we would never believe if we weren't caught in fear. You guys, this fear, it met him in a vulnerable place and he listened to it. Fear, by the enemy's design, will, will meet you in a place where you're vulnerable to it. Like, like, like the enemy, Satan, knows when you're at your weakest point. He knows even what you're afraid of. Okay? And he's the father of lies. So, so he knows when you're vulnerable. He knows what you're afraid of. He knows your fears. And when I say fears, I'm not talking about like what my kids ask me. Like, dad, what's the animal you're most afraid of? Like, that's, that's not what we're talking about, okay? Um, huh? What's my greatest fear? An animal fear? I mean, there's nobody here tonight, so we'll just talk it. Yeah. Um, my, <laughs> my, you all matter, though. My, my greatest animal fear? Dude, I don't know. I don't know. When animals see me, they just run, dude. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no, you know what? It's probably the animal. It's probably the animal that I like the most. I think I would be most afraid to be in a jungle with a tiger. Just from what I hear. You know, my friends, you know who are out there hunting them, you know, they call me, you know, but no, I actually listened uh, to this morning sports radio show one time randomly. It was just random. And I don't even remember what it was. This is so off task. Thanks a lot, dude. Uh, you know, but he's this guy, this sports radio host, he's like this famous guy is interviewing this tiger hunter, I think in Indonesia or India somewhere and he's this like famous tiger hunter that the village, they'll call in to kill tigers. It was one of the most fascinating interviews I'd ever heard. I was mesmerized. I sat in my car. My kid needed to go into school. He was already late. I said, sit. We got to hear this. You tell your teacher what you listened to this morning. And, and we're listening to this guy tell this story about how these tigers and all this. and what, Dude, tigers are nuts, man. Like, and he's like, most hunters, they realize at some point they're actually being hunted. That stuff scares me, okay? Right there, you got me, tigers. All right, um, so he is the father of lies. We don't want to listen to those lies. But you guys, as, as we talked about, maybe your fear is not a threat on your life like, like his, right? Like you, you more than likely don't have a queen who's put a hit call on your life, right? Like, like there's probably, that's not your story, but there's other things. There's other things, right? Like it's easy to go, oh, a tiger or a shark. Like, like that's easy, right? But, but what we're talking about here, when we, when we speak of fear that you guys are going through, that I know you're walking through right now and, and. Believe me, you guys will not call it that. You'll figure out a different name that's more socially acceptable, and I do the same. But when we talk about fear, these are the things that I hear. Isolation. Now, you don't say, I'm afraid to be alone, but you know what? You are. There's a lot of you that right now, deep down, you are afraid of being alone. 
of having nobody, of, 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 of being uh, in a situation like that. Some of you are afraid of rejection. You have a fear of rejection. You play rejection over and over and over again in your mind. It, it paralyzes you. Uh, it, 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 it brings about this fear. You don't take risks anymore. You don't even pray about something that may cause uh, you to be rejected in some way. You have a fear of rejection. Some of you, it's a fear of failure. You're absolutely afraid to fail. Maybe you failed one time. Maybe you've made a mistake. And so you literally replay the highlight reel of your mistake, of your failure over and over and over again. And so you have this fear of failure and it's paralyzing. Some of you have a fear of not measuring up. Right? There's something that, that, that you go, man, this is where I need to be or, or, or this is what my parents expect or, or this is where my friends are at or this is where this influencer that I like is at. And so you have this fear that you're going to not measure up. Some of you have a fear of the future. Whenever you think of what's next or what's coming, you are afraid. It's not like, let's go, let's attack. You're afraid. You're afraid of the unknowns. Right? Some of you are so afraid of what you don't know or, or that might happen that you, you literally are not making any steps in any positive direction because what is unknown right now in your life has a hold of your heart and has a hold of your mind. Guys, these are all things that he knows about us. And when I say he, the enemy knows about us and he throws these things into our lives, knowing our weaknesses, knowing when we're most vulnerable because he believes it's going to stick and it's going to put you in the same place that Elijah was in. Guys, when we listen to fear, here's the other thing that's just dangerous that we read here. When we start listening to fear and giving that voice influence over our lives and our hearts and our minds, you guys, it doesn't, just, it doesn't just paralyze you. It doesn't just keep you in one place. It takes us to a dangerous place mentally and emotionally. What it does is it causes us to give up, ultimately. See, what did we see here? Elijah not only wanted to give up his mission and his purpose, but what else? What did he literally ask? Take my life. Not only his mission, not only his purpose, but he wanted to give up on everything. It had taken him to such a depressing, a depressing, depressing, depressing space in his life, in his mind, that he's literally to the point of, of just like, God, kill me. So, so this fear didn't just stay this like fear, this place where I'm afraid or, or even I'm paralyzed. It took him to the point of these suicidal thoughts, this crazy depression. You guys, a lot of us find ourselves in depressed states and we try and label like, like the things that are easy to see. But for a lot of us deep down, you know what it comes back to? Fear. It comes back to fear. And so we see him just saying, I want it to be all over. It's not worth it. Kill me, God. And you guys, you know what's, what's crazy is we see this same request, the same depression and other incredible leaders in the Bible that we look at from Moses to Job to Jeremiah. They all find themselves in this deep and dark state of depression. Do you guys see why it matters so much what you're giving your thoughts over to? 
See, what's so scary about this to me is it's right after this mountaintop, literal, this mountaintop experience with God. Like, I can't think of a, a greater moment, right? Like, like not only uh, is God, like, acknowledged as the greatest in that moment, but those in opposition are also exposed and they're taken out and literally like everybody's responding, they're rejoicing, you've accomplished this incredible thing with God. And so it, it should be like the peak moment, right? Everything. And yet right after that moment, the moment you would think I have the most faith, I'm the strongest in my faith, I have the most power in God that I've ever had in my life. Right after that moment, this day, dude is in his deepest, darkest place to the point of saying, take my life. Guys, it's often after the greatest moments that you experience the greatest opposition. And that's a tough one, but it's so true. You know why? Because right after your greatest moments with God, you put your guard down. Right after those moments, you know what you do? You're doing victory laps. And you're caught up in it. You're celebrating, which is great. We should celebrate what God does in your life and all that. But the reason we see this consistently in scripture is because the moment I start getting caught up in that too much is the moment I put my guard down and all of a sudden the enemy floods me with these things, insecurities, these thoughts, these doubts, uh, these th and all of a sudden I'm, I'm almost confused because I can't believe I'm getting caught up in believing it and, and it al I allow it to take me to this place. And, and guys, I see this uh, with, with people all the time. And I also see this a lot with people who make a decision to receive Jesus. Um, I see that right after it. So often. It's so make that decision and they are literally mountaintop experience for their life. And, and one day later, three hours later, they are like overwhelmed with all of these things that the enemies kind of flooded their lives with. can't let your guard down. And you have to know that you're susceptible to fear. See, that's the title of the series. What's holding you back? Fear is the perfect example of what holds us back. And like I said, maybe you've never labeled it as fear. You've just given it a more acceptable title, but either way, it will paralyze you and it will cause your mind to be consumed with these things that aren't even true about you. Guys, that's the greatest trick is when you start to believe lies about yourself that aren't even true. Man, I, guys, I'll just fully be honest. I have struggled with this. If I look at the last six months, the last three months, if I look at yesterday and today, I see these, these struggles that I've had mentally and, and, and I've wanted to label it as different things. And I've wanted to excuse it away. And when I was preparing for this, I was like, man, Steve, those thoughts, those doubts, those insecurities, those are coming from a place of fear. And I literally had to just label it and name that. And I hated that. But it was unavoidable. Because these things that I was, I was believing, they weren't true. They were lies. They weren't true about situations. And they also weren't true about me. Guys, how, how often in that space of doubt, in that space of fear, do you get caught up and your mind is consumed with things and you don't even know if they're true? 
You've already written like, like you've nailed it. Like in your mind it's true and you don't even really know if it's true. And more than likely it's not. But because you're in this place, this dark place, you're, you're there buying all of these lies, believing them. And then you're allowing it to just sit there and consume your mind and your heart. And you, you guys, you go down this dark place and I just find more and more my heart is how do I pull you out of that? And guys, ultimately what I'm learning and I'm seeing it in myself is it comes back to these fears that we have that we just don't address. We don't guard ourselves from. These other things, guys, these are manifestations of that fear. Maybe tonight you label it as that for the first time. Guys, God has not called me into fear. He's called me out of that. What happened next for Elijah, you guys, in that story? Well, what's awesome is God meets him in that place, in that dark place. And God feeds him uh, supernaturally in that place. Then he leads Elijah on this journey to this mountain, to this cave area. And God reveals who he is, speaks to him, affirms, picks him up, and then says, hey, you're going to go back and you're going to anoint these guys, including one being Elisha. And they're going to help bring about the change and they're going to help you accomplish what I've designed you to accomplish. God met him in that place, spoke truth into his life, built him back up, reminded him that he is not alone. Okay? Guys, if if you're a Jesus follower, if you made that decision, you are not alone. You're not alone. If you take your fear to God and do something with it in a productive way with your relationship with him versus sitting in that space, every single time, God will affirm who he is. And if you're going to his word, you're going to get truth. And not only are you going to be reminded that you're not alone, but you are in in two ways. One is that you're going to be reminded that he has not left you. He hasn't left you. And then second, there's other people. You're not just alone on the, you're not the only like, oh, I'm the only Jesus follower in Eugene. No, you're not. You're not the only one that struggles with that struggle. You're not the only one who's who's, who's like tempted in that way. You're not, okay? And, and, And so these things that we do are literally the enemy trying to dump you and get you into this isolation because he knows it'll paralyze you and then ultimately it'll take you to a deeper and darker place to where you just go, it's not worth it. That's the enemy. God calls us out of that. And every time in my life that I've brought these thoughts, these feelings, these emotions, these fears to God, he reaffirms to me and he builds me back up. And honestly, I go, Steve, what are you doing? Why are you listening to that? Why are you buying into that? Guys, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. He has not given us a spirit of fear. So if I am stuck in this spirit of fear, whether I'm in my apartment, my dorm room, my house, and and, and I'm getting caught up in this and and I'm looking at, at, I'm listening to all these lies, all these doubts, and I'm being paralyzed in that thought process, ultimately out of this fear, you guys, that is not of God. It's not. So stop receiving it like it is. He says, I have not given you that spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And then in Psalms 138.3, he says, on the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. 
On that day I called, you answered me. And then he says what? You made me bold in my soul. Okay, guys, the fear that you have, that you struggle with, and, and a lot of you, you have related to different things and you've seen a pattern in your life that it's a, there's a common denominator, there's a common thread, there's a common insecurity, uh, there's something that you can grab hold of that you go, yeah, that, that keeps happening in your heart, in your life. Uh, you guys, you have to go to him with that because what? He says, you made me Bold with strength in my soul. He can strengthen your soul to pull you out of that. And he knows exactly what your soul needs. Guys, um, it, it, it's, it's crazy how there's been different moments in my day when I've been caught up in some of these lies and these thoughts and insecurities, whatever, that are rooted out of fear. It's amazing how God has uh, just like through a conversation edified, like brought me back through an email, through just a, a brief interaction, through a text message. Just, just, uh, maybe it's just like, man, God, I, I got to read some scripture because I am just like, I'm hurt right now. But he always delivers that and he brings that boldness back into my soul. And so for some of you that are just literally, it's, it's like this continual drop off that you keep going on. You got to change up your strategy. But the first thing is this, What's your fears? What are your fears? When you think about those things, where are you at? And who are you taking those fears to? Right? Uh, it's either um, I'm allowing him to control my mind or the fears are controlling my mind and my heart. How are you dealing with it? When you're in that place, how are you dealing with that fear? How do you cope with that fear? For some of you, you are coping and it is in the wrong ways and you know it. Maybe nobody else knows that. Guys, guys, decide to bring it to God and then take these thoughts captive and compare the thoughts to the truth of God's word. At the end of the day, that's what you have to do, guys. You got to compare your thoughts against scripture. And, and, and guys, if, if my thought, if, if, if the word, if the, if the narrative is, is not in alignment with this, it has no business taking a hold of my heart and my life, okay, it has no place in forming and shaping my identity. You guys, some of you have allowed a fear to literally shape and form your identity, and that fear is actually the thing leading your life right now. Man, that's a scary thought. It's a scary thought that I could be making decisions out of my fear. See, the desert, Elijah arrived at the desert because of fear. His deepest, his darkest place. That, that's where his fear took him. Guys, your fear doesn't keep you somewhere. Remember, it takes you on a ride. It, it has a destination for you. Ultimately, the enemy wants it to be your ruin, but, but it's going to take you somewhere. And guys, if it's running your show right now, if it's running your mind, it's running your heart, you're making decisions, not out of God's word, not out of God's will, but you're making them out of fear. And tonight is maybe just the message you needed to hear with a small crowd to just get it to sink in that there's got to be something different and you got to make some changes because guys, you're at the age. You are at the age. That's why I love speaking to you guys, whether there's one of you or a hundred of you or 300 of you. Uh, to me, it doesn't matter. It's, it's an exciting opportunity because I know you're making the decisions that are going to shape the rest of your life. 
It's not the time to go, well, that's cool. I'll, I'll figure this out in a few years. Nope. You're making decisions right now that are going to have huge consequences to them. Now you either go, oh my gosh, or you go, that's awesome. Okay. And this is an opportunity to change course. Stop living and making decisions out of that fear and stop allowing it to define your identity. All right. You guys can move forward. God invites us to call out to him. He invites us to bring that fear to him because only he can bring the boldness that you need inside of you. But you got to make a decision. What are you going to do with that? Tonight, why don't you label it? And tonight, why don't you decide to go to him with it? All right, let's pray.